I wonder, have we counted up the cost of following Jesus? It's estimated that between 100 and 215 million Christians are being persecuted in the world today. That means up to 1 in 12 Christians worldwide face serious intimidation, prison, or even death, simply because of their faith in Jesus. Of course, we may not face the exact same kind of challenges in our Christian lives, but no matter where we live, following Jesus is never easy. We face opposition, criticism, and pressure in one form or another. So have we counted up the cost? Do we believe that following Jesus is worth it? That Jesus is worth living for, no matter what? Well, in his letter, in First Peter, Peter encouraged us to follow Jesus, even in persecution. I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 12 down to the end of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator, and continue to do good. In this letter, Peter wrote that we are God's elect. This is how he started the letter. That we are God's chosen people. That God has loved us from before the creation of this world. And he sent his son to the cross to redeem us with his own precious blood. And so through faith in Christ, he has set us apart as his holy nation, adopted us as his children and he set his seal of ownership on us the promised Holy Spirit and so as God's elect we can rejoice that we are valued and that we are precious to God that we are his treasured possession, we are his cherished people and so some people might think then this would mean that God would protect us from all kinds of harm. That he would just kind of wrap us up in the bubble wrap of his power and keep us safe from all pain and suffering until he brings us to heaven. 
But this was not the experience of the Christians that Peter was writing to. They were having to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. They were being unfairly criticised and slandered and attacked and beaten and abused. And things were only going to get worse for them. When Peter was writing, the persecution under the emperor Nero was getting increasingly violent and cruel. But Peter did not want these believers to be shocked or to be stumbled in their faith by all of this. He didn't want them to think that somehow God had lost control of the world. Or that their suffering proved that God had abandoned them. And so he wrote in verse 12, Do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. Yes, their suffering was painful and difficult. It was unpleasant and it was unjust. But it wasn't surprising. And it wasn't strange. After all, this was Peter's own experience. The book of Acts records Peter being arrested, being threatened, being flogged, being imprisoned. And he would have been executed were it not for God's amazing rescue plan, sending an angel to bring him out of prison after James, his fellow apostle, had been killed. And this was also the Apostle Paul's experience. Remember in 2 Corinthians when we were looking at that, that amazing book, chapter 11, how Paul lists, of, lists some of the things that Paul went through? Five times I received from the Lord the forty lashes minus one, he says. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea and the list just goes on and on and on. But it's not just because persecution is our experience, because suffering is our experience, that we don't want to be surprised or shocked at this. It's also because in this suffering, Peter says you participate in the sufferings of Christ. That word participate is a word that's connected to the, the Greek word koinonia, which is the word for fellowship or communion or sharing. We, come, we talk about in a Scorthy Christian fellowship. So that's the word. So they're suffering. It wasn't random. It wasn't meaningless. Instead, it was part of their belonging to Christ. Their fellowship with Christ. Their communion with Him. Their suffering was part of that. Now that doesn't mean that they were paying for for sins as Jesus did on the cross. Remember chapter 3 verse 18. Christ died for sins once for all. It's done. Never needs to be repeated. Never needs to be continued. Our sins have been paid for and paid for in full. It is finished. Jesus said on the cross. But this did mean that because of their faith in Jesus, they'd been called to identify with Christ 
even in his sufferings. Their suffering was part of their call to walk with Christ and bring the message of Christ to this world. So suffering was part of their experience because it was the experience of their Saviour and their Lord. And so if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, if we are walking in His ways, then persecution and suffering is inevitable. This is what Jesus said to His disciples. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And this is what the apostles taught the early Christians. For example, when Paul, when he revisited the churches that he planted in his missionary journeys, this is what he told them. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And earlier in this letter, this is what Peter wrote. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So persecution and suffering is part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus. And this means that persecution is not something that we should be ashamed of. Of course, there's no honour if we suffer just because we've sinned. So Peter says in verse 15, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Maybe Peter was reminding his readers again that even in their difficult circumstances, that didn't give them an excuse to retaliate. So they shouldn't act as a murderer even if they were attacked. They shouldn't be a thief, even if their own property is being stolen, even by the government. They shouldn't act as a criminal, even if they're treated as one. Neither should they act as a meddler, just getting involved in other people's affairs, none of their business, even if they're desperate for other people to change. So guys, if we suffer because we're angry, or obnoxious, or selfish, or judgmental, then that's not honouring to God. That's something that we should be ashamed of, and should repent of. But, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. This term Christian, very interestingly, we use it all the time, don't we? And yet it's only mentioned three times in the Bible. In the New Testament. Just three mentions of the word Christian. And it simply means someone who follows or who is loyal to Christ. And it was first of all given to the believers by the unbelieving population of the the city of Antioch. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And many people think that it was used as a nickname. But as a name of that's supposed to uh, be a form of derision. Of insult. Hey, you're one of those Christians. And maybe that's because in the minds of the Gentiles, nobody would want to be identified with Christ. Because Christ was crucified. And that was a shameful thing. 
So Paul wrote, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness for the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. To be have somebody in your family or somebody you looked up to to be crucified was a shameful thing. But instead of being ashamed of this name, Peter called his readers to see it as a badge of honour. But praise God that you bear that name. Somebody calls you a Christian, celebrate. Because it's such a an honour to be identified with Jesus. So if they, were, if they suffered because they were following Jesus, then they shouldn't be ashamed, humiliated or embarrassed. Instead, they should praise God because of the honour of being associated with Christ. And this actually was Peter and the other apostles' reaction when they were flogged by the Sanhedrin says here, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They rejoiced. And that's what Peter called these Christians to do. Don't be surprised at persecution. Don't be ashamed of it. But rejoice in it. Maybe you remember Paul and Silas. They went to the city of Philippi in direct obedience to God's call to go into the area of Macedonia and preach the gospel. But when they cast out a demon from a fortune-telling slave girl, they were attacked, dragged in front of the authorities and severely flogged. Later that night in the inner prison cell with their backs bleeding and their feet feet fastened in the stalks. They were singing, they were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, that's a worship service, isn't it? That's some worship team. Instead of complaining, instead of grumbling, or even instead of just Shocked silence. These men were still praising God. These men were still praying to God in faith. So how is it possible to do that? How is it possible to rejoice in persecution? Because that doesn't come naturally, does it? That's not something that we just feel like doing because things are going well. Well, it is possible not because it's enjoyable or pleasant or easy, but rather because even in the persecution we're blessed. Verse 14. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. When we're persecuted, it's normal to feel sorry for ourselves, to feel miserable, dejected, we're going to get angry and upset. Because we feel that because we're being treated so badly that we are losing out. And it's unfair and unwarranted. But instead Peter called us to see ourselves as, as blessed at that time. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Blessed are you when people insult you, or persecute you, or falsely say all kinds of evil against you, 
because of me. You are blessed in that moment. Despite how things might look, despite how things might feel, in those situations when people criticise us, accuse us or attack us, because we're following Jesus, then we're actually blessed. We should see ourselves as so fortunate. We have so many reasons to rejoice. One reason for that is that right now the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. One of the reasons for rejoicing is the presence of God living within us. As believers in Jesus, we've all received that gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And so, no matter what we're going through, no matter what anyone says or does to us, we are blessed because God is with us. And He's teaching us, and He's directing us, and He's protecting us, and He's empowering us. When Peter and, and John, they were, when they were first arrested and threatened by the religious authorities way back in Acts chapter 4, they, they were let go after being said never to speak about Jesus again. And their first response was to go and to meet up with other believers. And they had a prayer meeting. And they prayed, not for their safety or for their comfort. They didn't even pray for the guys who were persecuting them to stop. They prayed for boldness and power to witness to the name of Jesus. And then Luke records this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now that didn't stop the persecution. In fact, the persecution got worse. But they courageously kept on speaking and kept on declaring the name of Jesus. We might not always experience the power of the Holy Spirit in this way, but we can rest on the, His presence with us, no matter what. So we're blessed because God is with us. But we're also blessed because of what is coming. When we share in the sufferings of Christ, or we share in the sufferings of Christ, Peter says in verse 13, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Persecution is not the end of the story. The critics and accusers will not have the final say. The attackers and the abusers will not determine our destiny. And said, if we're willing to share in the sufferings of Christ now, then He's promised that we're going to share in the glory that is to come. Romans eight seventeen says this, If we are children then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that you may also share in His glory. Sufferings now. Glory to come. I think many of us would like to short-circuit that, that process, wouldn't we? We'd like to go just straight to the glory. Bypass the suffering. Immediately experience the glory. 
But actually, this is what Satan tempted Jesus about. Remember Jesus' temptation in the desert? The devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of this world. And he says, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. But Jesus rejected this offer. Declaring his commitment to worship God alone and follow his will. Even if it led all the way to the cross. The devil was offering a short circuit. I'll give you the glory now. Don't, you don't need the cross. And Jesus said, no. I'm going to be committed to my Father's will. The suffering now. The glory to come. He knew that the scriptures predicted this. Predicted the sufferings of Christ. And the glory that would follow. And we need to accept that this is God's plan for our lives as well. We are not called, the moment we trust in Jesus, to go straight to glory. Many of us would like that, wouldn't they? Instead, we're called to share in the sufferings of Christ now. So that one day, we will share in His glory. But we don't need to be worried. We don't need to be worried that it's not going to be worth it. Because this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We won't get to heaven, folks, and think, is this all there is? That wasn't worth it. We won't say that at all. But that's not the only good thing that comes out of suffering. Actually, God is working through our suffering to bless us right now. See verse 17? It's one of those verses in Peter that you have to read a few times and try and work through to understand what he's talking about, I think. For it's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. It's time for judgment to begin for the family of God. I think Paul sees that persecution and that suffering as part of God's discipline in a believer's life. That judgment is not judgment to punish or to condemn. Remember, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But rather, it's an expression of God's love to help us to grow. This is what the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 12. God disciplines us For our good, that we might share in his holiness. The writer of Hebrews pictures God as a a dad disciplining his sons. So that they might continue to learn and to grow. And to say no to sin and yes to God's holiness. And that's what Peter has already taught in his letter. In chapter 1. He spoke about the various trials that they were going through. And he says, these trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. And Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 5. He said, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. 
and character hope. And then he goes on to say, and that hope will not disappoint us. Now, of course, that process of suffering doesn't feel very beneficial when we're going through it. Persecution and suffering can just feel destructive in our lives. But if we are suffering or struggling with the loving discipline of our our Heavenly Father in our lives, in the suffering that we go through in our lives, how much more, Peter says, should we be concerned about those who haven't accepted the gospel? Who haven't trusted in Jesus? Because one day they're going to face the full wrath of God. So verse 17 It's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. That training, that discipline. If it begins with us, then he goes on to say, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey? The gospel of God. If we find that judgment or that discipline, that struggle so difficult now, how much worse will it be for those who haven't trusted in Jesus? Peter quotes from Proverbs 11 to emphasise this. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? He calls us not to just look at ourselves and get so introspective so that all we see is our struggle and our suffering and that's all we get focused on. He says, look out the world. And if you find this hard, think about lovers who one day are going to go and face an eternal judgment of hell. So we need to hold on to the hope that God is working through our suffering, through that persecution. He's refining our hearts. He is purifying our motives. He is training our attitudes. And even though it doesn't feel like it, He's actually strengthening our faith. And that's what Paul Peter finishes with. A call to trust God in the persecution. (coughs) Verse 19. First of all, Peter called his readers to commit themselves to their faithful creator. God is the one who made this world. Who looks after it. And so even in difficult times, we can trust that God will look after us. He will provide what we need to be able to endure and to ultimately to be vindicated. Because that's what Jesus did in his suffering. Remember back in chapter 2, verse 23? When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus didn't take things into his own hands when he was on trial and try and justify himself. Instead, he placed himself in God's hands and said, God, you deal with it. Father, you deal with it whenever whenever the right time is. And that's what he calls us to do. In the middle of our persecution, in the middle of those accusations, in the middle of being attacked for our faith in Christ, Peter says, Don't need to fight back. Leave it in God's hands. He'll sort it out. 
This was Paul's attitude in the middle of persecution. He says this in 2 Timothy. This is why I'm, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. So we don't need to panic when persecution comes. We don't need to fight back. We don't need to give up. Instead, we can rest in God's faithfulness. His faithfulness to his people and to his promises. So don't give up. Instead, keep on serving God. Continue to do good. When we face persecution for our faith, the natural feeling is to feel like giving up. If we're suffering because we're doing good, the, the, the obvious automatic kind of response is, well, I'm going to stop doing that because I don't like that. But God wants us to instead just keep on going. Keep on going, reaching out in love, even to those who hate us. Keep on going, speaking the truth, even to those who reject us. Keep on going, serving God. Even if we can't see any results coming from it. Because God is faithful to us. And he calls us to be faithful to him. So following Jesus is costly. But following Jesus is worth it. So the next time that we are criticised, or accused, or attacked because we're a follower of Jesus. Don't be surprised because we're called to suffer with Christ. Don't be ashamed because it's an honour to suffer for Christ. Instead rejoice because God is in us and He's working in us. And one day He will take us to be with Himself. And so trust in God because he's faithful to his people so that we can keep on following Jesus even in persecution.